preaching it. I look forward to it because it's the word of God. And I look forward to it because the Holy Spirit uses the word of God in our life. And whether or not you planned on being here today, you're here. Uh, And the Lord knew that. And he's got a message just for you. Uh, And if you'll listen, it may be a message uh, that I may not even say with my words. The Holy Spirit just may speak to your heart. And so I'm going to ask you this morning to open your hearts as well as open the word of God this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Do want to remind you tonight, we will have a receiving line and a gift card fellowship for the, Bart, uh, uh, the Bartlett's tonight in the, in the foyer. And uh, looking forward to that. Come out and support them. If you don't come tonight, it's just the same as saying, I don't support them, okay? And so just don't make them feel bad. No, I'm kidding. If you can't make it tonight, you can just mail them a gift card in the mail. Uh, and uh, I told him the other day, I says, one day we're going to find you a place to stay. Uh, we still haven't found them a place to stay, so you pray about that. In the meantime, the gift cards will help them uh, eat out until we find them a home. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter number two, let's stand together. Pick up in verse number one, going to read down through about verse number three, and we're going to pray and let you be seated. Second Thessalonians chapter one, look down to uh, uh, chapter two, verse number one. Now we beseech you, that means beg you, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or, tr- or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Boy, what an exciting thought. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. I think we've read enough to get the context. Let's pray, and we'll let you be seated. <clears throat> Father, it is wonderful to be at your house today. Thank you for the great singing, the great spirit. Thank you for the great crowd, Lord, you sent our way today, Lord, our people, and even folks that we've yet to meet. Thank you for allowing us to come. Now, Father, I pray that you take the message you've given, and Father, as you did with the loaves and the fishes, I pray you'd multiply it. Make more of it, Lord, than I can, and I pray and I trust you will do that today. But Lord, I I pray that we'll see that regardless of what you choose to do today, you're not going to invade our will. We must right now surrender our will to you. And Lord, be willing to hear, receive, and respond what the message is today that you've sent. I pray you give me liberty, give me recollection, most of all, give us grace. If there's one lost here today, not sure about their eternity and where they're going to go, Pray you'd make that clear to them and that, Lord, if, if they're not sure, they'd come down during the invitation time and be saved. And we'll praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this morning, I'm going to preach a message that really introduces a series of messages that will really begin in earnest next week. It'll probably be three, the Lord leads four messages that we're going to preach that I hope are an encouragement to you. Uh, In the day and age that we're living in, the time that we're living in, with the temperature of our world and all the things that are going on, I'm thankful that I can go to the Word of God and get encouragement. And sometimes when a preacher preaches, sometimes it's hard and sometimes uh, it steps on our toes a little bit. And by the way, the only time that that God steps on our toes is when we need it. Uh, And if God steps on your toes, you and I both need it. And he does it because he loves us. He chastens every son that he loves. And so even though it doesn't feel good, I'm thankful that God loves me enough. That God is willing to invest his word in my life to bring about change in my life. But these next few weeks, we're going to introduce it today through the message today. And, and then probably the next four weeks, I'm going to preach on one topic each Sunday for the next four weeks that encourage you in the last days that we're living in, that will help you in the last days we're living in. And we're really going to pull that from the example that the Apostle Paul gives us in verse number three. If you'll notice, as he's preaching, what he's trying to do is prepare the church at Thessalonica, and obviously you see the subject of it between verse 1, 2, and 3. He says, the coming of our Lord in verse number 1. At the end of verse 1, the gathering together unto him. He says that you be soon, not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit. And he says, as the day of Christ is at hand. 
So obviously he's preparing that, them for that and preparing for how they should think and how they should feel. And honestly, that is something there's always a lot of speculation about, is there not? We wonder about the coming of Christ and when he's coming, and we watch the news. And I'll be honest, I have a, a, a shallow curiosity, but a curiosity all the same, speculating when the Lord might return. But I want to go ahead and let you know and let you down right now, I have no hot tips today, okay? Uh, I have nothing new for you than other than what you know and what the Word of God says, but I do want to encourage you. Because as Paul prepares them not to be deceived about the second coming of Christ, he also warns them of some things they can look for. If you look down to verse number three, the Bible says, So that day shall not come, except there come first, what, or come a falling away first, and that man of sin being revealed. Now, the series we're going to begin and introduce today, and look, even though we're introducing a series, it's still the message today. In this series, we're going to focus on the thing that he mentions first in verse number three, where it says, except there come a falling away. What Paul is doing is explaining to the church at Thessalonica the atmosphere of not only the church, but also of the world prior to Christ's return. That word falling away is one word in the Greek. Brother Quarter and I were talking about this on the phone this week. It's the word apostasia. It's where we get our word apostasy from, literally meaning a departure from the faith, a departure from the things of God. Uh, now, if you're looking for the Lord's return, you're probably getting a little bit excited uh, because you look at our world and you look at churches, so many today, not just the world we're living in, but even churches today, and you see uh, that apostate atmosphere entering into the church where we have a departure from the faith and from the things of God. I mean, you don't have to look very far here in our town, look around our world. This feeling of a falling away seems to be very much underway as we depart from the things of God. I'll be honest, on one hand, it's frightening. On one hand, it's very frightening at how fast it's happening. Uh, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and, and I love the 80s. Matter of fact, my daughter loves the 80s. She's, she's an old soul. She was born a few years too late. She loves the 80s and the 90s, denim, I mean, you know, neon, tie-dye. She's into all of that. She enjoys the 80s. The 80s were a good time to live, and, uh, you know, we did sleep with our windows open. We weren't worried about somebody climbing through, and it was a very safe time. And my, I walked one mile into town to get the glass bottle, one liter Coca-Colas for 75 cents. I'm only 42, okay? But I remember doing that, walking, riding my bicycle to town with a BB gun, no less. Uh, nowadays, my parents would probably be arrested, you know, for being bad parents and letting me have a BB gun, not for letting me ride to town uh, by myself. And I'm 42, and I look at the world my daughter's growing up in, and I've had to teach her to use a pistol, and she now has a, a stun gun, thanks to Miss Judy, and uh, we locked the doors in three different locks and securities. It's a horrible world we're living in, but it's even worse spiritually, where we used to could pray in schools and have Bible. I remember fourth grade, Mrs. Miles' class, we had a Bible lesson after lunch every day. And now that's almost illegal. I definitely believe we are underway in the falling away to where we're reaching that state of apostasy to where not only are we not for the things of God, you see the atmosphere turning against the things of God. All right? This is not just an idle ignorance of the things of God. People are vehemently turning against the things of God. Uh, I, I mean, in the, uh, in the movement for marriage equality and homosexual marriage that's out there, it was all about equality. We just want what you want, but that's not the truth. Anytime you hear equal rights, it often means special rights. And that means people who adopt the biblical model of the traditional home of one man and one woman, now they have become an enemy. It's not just an idle, passive approach to the things of God. It's an aggression against the things of God. The Bible calls it in verse number three, a falling away. Now, can I tell you what's so sad about this? Unfortunately, a lot of good people, church people, saved people are going to even get caught up in this falling away and already have, already have. Who is he speaking to, by the way? He's speaking to the church at Thessalonica. 
That means he's warning the church. I remember as a kid, I, I lived on the Atlantic Ocean. Literally, we, uh, our house was here. We had about 30 feet of grass, and then there the, the beach started. And I could go out to the beach any time of the day, day or uh, uh, day on the weekend. I'd go out there. we have a good time. It's kind of a private beach there. Uh, and I remember they had flags up on the lifeguard station there at Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. And the flags would fly, letting you know the conditions of the water. And one of the warnings they would give out was called a riptide. And a riptide's a little different than an undertow. We know what an undertow is as a wave comes in and the wave goes back out underneath. You have that undertow. But a riptide is when, you know, the tide comes in and the tide rises and it's up for a period of time. But then that tide begins to go out. And as that tide begins to go out, the, 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 the earth's gravity or the, the moon's gravity starts pulling that, that water away from the shore and that current gets very strong. And they would give the warning of the flag, there was a riptide, meaning be careful leaving the shore and getting out there in the water or you could get caught in that suction as the tide went out. And oftentimes we'd see on the news where someone was drowned because they did not heed the warnings of the current that was going out and they would get caught up in that and they would be carried out to sea and drowned. Can I tell you this morning, spiritually, I believe with all of my heart, the tide's going out. The tide's going out. The falling away has begun. The, uh, the spirit of apostasy is growing and growing against the things of God and against the faith. And I want you to heed this morning, not just today, but the next four weeks, I'm going to give you from the Word of God what God has to say that we can do to make sure we don't get caught up in the current of the changing tide that we're living in. As big a group as we have here this morning, it pains my heart to say this, but it's true. Many that are in this room today will get caught up in this tide. And you will get carried away from the things of God. I'm going to show you how it happens this morning. And the next week we will show you how you can fight against that. June 2022 Fox News poll says the Americans that say they believe in God are in all-time low. A 2021 Gallup poll says that Americans that identify as belonging to a house of worship has reached below 50% for the first time in the 80-year history of the poll. For the first time in 80 years, less than half of Americans identify with a house of worship. And I fear it's even worse than that. Where we were one time a nation under God, I feel that spirit of apostasy has raised up a generation that's no longer one nation under God, but we're one nation against God. Look at all that we are fighting for in this country. Look at what's all over the news. It's not about securing the welfare of our country uh, and, and making our country safe against threats both foreign and domestic. No, it's all of social issues that oftentimes go against the very word of God. That's the spirit of apostasy we're in. And if you're not careful, look, he wouldn't have warned them about it if it wasn't going to happen. And if it's going to happen, you and I have the potential of being caught up in that. So what we've got to learn to do is we've got to defend against this fall that he's preaching about in verse number three. And that's what we're going to preach about today, defending against the fall. Now, we need to know what to defend against, right? If you're going to defend against something, you need to know what you're defending against. And verse number three really shows us what this falling away looks like. Over the next four weeks, as I mentioned, I'll show you what will keep you from falling. But this morning, I want to show you what we're defending against. Jude one twenty four. the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. It's not God's desire you fall. It's not God's desire that you get caught out in this current as the tide shifts and the falling away from the things of God. That's not God's will for you. What's God's will for you? The second part of verse 24. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. It's God's desire that you be kept out of that tide that's shifting, that when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, you can stand before him right with him. Not caught out and see because you got, part of, got caught up in that falling away. So this morning, I want to show you three things right quickly, as quickly as I can, but truthfully as I can, on how you can know what to defend against. Look down to verse 3. The Bible says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. So what are we defending against? If you're going to fight against something, you need to know what you're fighting, Right? 
like years ago, I started getting these little bites on my arms and I could not figure out what it was. I didn't know if I had leprosy or something breaking out and it hurt and I saw a red dot, but I could not figure out what was getting me. Somebody says, there are no seams. I said, no joke. I've been swatting at something. I don't know what it is. And sure enough, you got looking close. There's this little bitty bug. Whoever thought such a tiny little bug could bring such grief to a grown man's life. But it did. It hurt. But I didn't know what I was fighting. Now, the Bible shows you what you're going to be fighting in this falling away. Now, here's the scary part. Some of you may be on your way to falling away this morning. Some of you may have already left the solid ground of dry land and you've waded out into the water just a little bit and you're at risk of the falling away. You're going to be carried away in this spirit of apostasy. So before we defend against it, how do we define it? Number one, notice the direction of the fall in verse three. The Bible says it's a falling away, all right? I believe every word in this book is supposed to be there. And I believe God said exactly what he wanted to say in verse number three, that the spirit of apostasy is when there's now distance between you and something else. If I fall away from this pulpit, all right, and, you know, if my belly keeps growing, it just keeps pushing me further away. It's putting distance between me and something else. So what is the something else we're talking about here? You look up that word, it's the word apostasia, and it literally means an abandonment of truth. It's an abandonment of truth. Can I tell you this morning, the one thing you need to learn to defend against is this fall. And how do you know what you're defending against? It's when your direction carries you away from the truth. This is where you get off into the slippery slope of the changing tide of our world and you drown. Can I tell you why there are people that are not here this morning? I'm not running them down. I hate it when folks get out of church. I hate it when they leave a good church and go to no church, okay? I'd rather you go to another good church, amen? But there are people who used to fill these chairs in here this morning that are no longer in the will of God, not raising their children by the word of God. And you say, what happened? What happened? Well, at some point in their walk with God... They heard truth and they knew truth, but that truth confronted their life. You see, that's what truth does. Truth is a mirror who shows us who we are. That's what the word of God is. Thy word is truth. I look in this mirror all the time, and sometimes it says, I'm ugly. And everybody said, amen. You're looking at me. Shame on you for doing that. You just quenched the spirit right there. We look into the word of God, and we're like, man, I don't like what it says, so here's what we do. Watch. We close it. Why? We don't look in the mirror anymore. That's why we don't read our Bible like we should. And all of a sudden, truth confronted us, and we pushed away from the truth. Watch what we just did. We are falling away. Every time you push away at truth, you're not pushing the truth away from you. You're pushing you away from the truth. And you've left the solid ground of the shore, and you have now stepped into ankle-deep water that can carry you away. The direction of the fall is away from truth. Can I tell you, you're on your way to falling every time you turn away from truth. Every time you deny truth, you turn from truth, you refuse to hear truth. You're, look, you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and I don't care how good of a swimmer you are, you are going to drown in the spirit of apostasy, not because that was God's desire for you. You're going to drown because you turned your back on truth. That's what's going to get you out of church. You don't get out of church because somebody looked at you wrong or somebody did. No, look, you get out of church because you deny truth, the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't he wonderful? Sometimes he hurts my feelings, but he's wonderful because he bears witness of truth in my heart. Man, I'll be getting mad at somebody or mad at something and not like, I'm just, no, no, no. And all of a sudden that still, small voice whispers truth. And you may tell everybody you left church because let me tell you something. Somebody sat in my chair. It's mine. I've been sitting there 40 years. No, you're not. We just got them about, what, six years ago? Shame on you for lying. And all the while, you're telling them why you turned your back on truth. The Holy Spirit says, that's not true. That's not true. You left church because you got your feelings hurt. You got mad. And you left because you wanted to. 
Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend. You see, so if I get offended, I'm choosing to be offended. I'm choosing it. I'm choosing it. I told somebody the other day, I get offended all the time, and I offend all the time. Okay, so it's, it goes both ways. I get it. Heard Bobby Robertson preach years ago. He's pastored the same church for over 60 years, Gospel Light Baptist Church, Walker County, North Carolina. And he says, you know, when I get hurt, man, I'm starting to get into next week's message. I got to be careful. He said, you know, when somebody hurts my feelings, you know what that tells me? That I'm not dead enough. Because dead things don't feel pain. The Bible says I'm supposed to die to self. I'm supposed to be dead. And if I was dead, I wouldn't be feeling any pain. You see, we leave church we give up on God. All right, look, leaving church, falling away from church is just a symptom of falling away from truth, okay? This falling away is not just getting out of church. I mean, yeah, we had a falling away. Man, people just COVID and all this and left. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about departure from truth. It's the direction. Look what he says in verse 3. A falling away. It's amazing. We have a lot going on right now in our country about the abortion argument. And I honestly believe we've come to a place to where truth has been superseded by choice. Now let that sink in for a moment, if you will. Truth has been superseded by choice. So what do you mean by that? What is the movement called to keep abortion legal? It's called pro-choice. I don't care about what the truth says. Is it a life? Is it not a life? I don't care about anything of truth. I want my choice. And so therefore, it's called the pro-choice movement. Obviously, I stand against the pro-choice movement. But could I tell you this morning... I believe a lot of Christians are pro-choice Christians. I'm not talking about abortion at all. I think that should be a slam dunk. The Bible says, before he formed us in the belly, speaking to Jeremiah, he said, I knew thee. I knew thee. That's a child. That's a human. All right, we should have that one down. But I believe we have a lot of pro-choice Christians today. So what do you mean by that? We know the truth, but we choose our choice over truth. So what's the truth? Well, Hebrews 10, 25, the Bible says that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. That means when the church gathers, you ought to be here. When the church gathers, you ought to be here. All right? Word of God, Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. The Bible says exhorting one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. I kind of see it approaching. So that means we exhort each other so much more. But I'll guarantee you around 4.30 this afternoon, we're going to have some pro-choice Christians. Not being mean, I love you in the Lord, but that's what the truth says. But our choice is going to override the truth. I believe we have pro-choice Christians when it comes to obedience to the word of God. I know what it says, but I know what I want. I'm not being mean. I am just as guilty as you are. I, I am smiling. That means I love you. But I have to tell you the truth. Why? The church is the pillar and the ground of truth. If we're not going to tell truth right here, can I tell you, let's close the doors, open up Central Baptist Community Club, and let's just have plays all day and show summer movie time. This place has got to be the pillar and ground of truth. Why? People need truth. Why? It's the truth that sets you free. And our, listen, our town is bound. They are bound under every addiction, under the sun. I mean, our town is in trouble. The only thing that sets them free is the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they can't come here and get it, let's go find something better to do. All right? Now, don't get your feelings hurt. Please don't. I love you. I'm just as guilty of the things I preach at times as you are. But the truth's always the truth, no matter if it's the preacher or the parishioner who's guilty. The direction of this fall is away from truth. And I promise you this, you fall away. You fall away one truth at a time. One, it's not that big a deal at a time. One, it's not that bad at a time. One at a time, you're wading out, wading out, wading out. Deeper and deeper, and after a while, that current carries you away. And that spirit of apostasy. How does it happen? One truth at a time. But the AJ and I were talking the other day. Just, you'd be amazed at how many needs come in over the course of a week. And I'm thankful people reach out for help. You ought to reach out for help. Everybody needs help sometimes. And I told Brother AJ the other day, I said, Brother AJ, I said, if anybody ever asks why we preach against sin, you say it's because of instances just like the one we were discussing. I mean, people's lives erect and ruin and heartache and grief and pain and marriages and trouble and all of this and it's all because of sin all because of sin and can I tell you how they got there 
neglecting the truth one at a time. I'm not mad. I promise you, I'm not mad. I love you in the Lord. I really do. And I want to see you standing when he comes. Isn't that what Paul says? He says, talks about the coming of Christ three times, four times in three verses. And he says, I'm trying to prepare you for this. Understand, here's how you'll know. There's going to be a falling away. I look at Peter. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter drew a sword and chopped off a man's ear for trying to arrest Jesus. I kind of figure Peter always just wanted to do that anyway and saw his chance and took it. <laughs> you know, I told my Sunday school class this morning, you know, uh, I'm sure there are times my wife wants to hit me. And I learned years ago, she doesn't like being scared. Don't jump out around the corner and <laughs> like that because you're going to get hit. I'm just telling you, you're just going to get hit. And I got hit that time. I think she really just wanted to hit me uh, and took her chance. I think that's what Peter did. He saw his shot. You know, well, I've always wanted to do this. I don't think it was aiming for his ear, by the way. I think by the grace of God, his sword missed. Jesus picks it up. Jesus puts it back on. But here's what's interesting. Matthew 26, after Christ was arrested, the Bible says Peter followed afar off. So watch this. First, he's defending Christ. Second, now he's distancing himself from Christ. And then what did he do before the rooster crowed? He denied Christ. Notice what happened in the middle. Between defending and denying Christ, he distanced himself from Christ. Don't think for a second it can't happen to you. Don't think for a second. There have been better people than you and I who've sat in this room who hate everything God's about. All because they went from a place where they once defended God and then one truth at a time they distanced themselves from God and now they've gotten to the place where they deny God. I'll give you an example, an amazing story I read just this week. There was a young man who was raised in the Bible Belt. I don't know what state, but he was raised in the Bible Belt, kind of like we are. That young man dreamed of being a missionary, which is a great aspiration, by the way. Mom and Dad, don't ever, ever knock your kid if they desire to serve God with their life. I've heard it too many times. His sister fell ill of an autoimmune disease and I believe subsequently died from that disease. He got so bitter that his sister died and that God didn't intervene in her life that he totally, totally gave up on God. He would go on to say people who worship the Lord or name the name of Christ are Jesus freaks and that Christianity is a religion for losers. The same one who grew up in the Bible Belt wanted to be a missionary. He would go on to found CNN. His name's Ted Turner. You know him well, media mogul. How do you go from Growing up in the Bible Belt, wanting to be a missionary to someone who calls Christians losers and Jesus freaks. One truth at a time. One truth at a time. You'll do it too. You'll do it too if you don't heed the warnings this morning of being careful when you fall away. Every time you deny a truth, you're on your way to falling away. This past week before Miley went to California, the week before last, I spent a lot of time with her. You know, I miss my kid. I only have one, or I don't have a spare like some of you got. Some of you got a spare, and you can spend time with them while the other one's gone. I only got one, and now my wife is going with her. And we're sitting up late. We're watching. It was probably 1, 30, 2 o'clock in the morning. We're watching a movie that before the, she were to fly out the next morning. And all of a sudden, you know, at late night, that's when the weird commercials come on, the freaky commercials. And if I'm not mistaken, Miley, correct me, it was Peter Popoff Ministries came on there. Man, this guy's ripping it up, Brother Jim. He's preaching. Peter Popoff. What a great name for a preacher. Popoff, right? You know, he's going out and, and then all of a sudden he just says, look, I have this miracle spring water that I'll offer you as a free gift and all of this. And I looked at Miley. I said, you want to? She says, yeah, let's do it. And so, man, I went on my phone and I ordered me some miracle spring water from Peter Popoff Ministries. And I got it in the mail. It's in my office. You need some. I got some. I do. You can borrow it. I mean, I'm going to put it up here on my ball spot. We're going to see if it works. If it works, I'm sending him the $37. I am. He sends it to me, tells me he prayed over it. It was kind of like a form letter, so I don't know how sincere that was, but he sends me this letter. He's praying for me. He prayed for Jeremiah Andrews. I put my middle name as Reginald just in case to throw him off the scent trail, and so it was sent to Reginald Andrews, and uh, man, I've got a little clear uh, ketchup packet in my office of Miracle Spring Water. And in the letter, it says, look, all that I ask is a, a seed of faith to be sown in the form of a check of $37. <laughs> I 
I'm kind of wondering if I don't send the money, does it lose its power? You know, I haven't read the fine print yet. You know, if I don't send the money in, is it, is it just water now? Is that all it is? You know, Hattiesburg City water, that's not going to help me for sure. And I sat back and I thought, how many people are going to call that number? How many people are going to listen to that man? How many people are going to flock to that man and they're not going to find truth? They're not going to find truth. Do you know what we need today? We need truth. Our people, our families, our children, they just need truth. A.W. Tozer says, we need a return to a gentle dogmatism that smiles while it stands, stubborn and firm on the word of God that lives and abides forever. I'm not saying beat people over the head with the truth. I'm not. But a lot of people hurt by people not speaking the truth in love. I believe that. There's a way to do it. The Bible says walk in wisdom toward them that are without. There's a way to handle the truth. Don't be a Peter chopping off people's ears. But people need the truth. That's what they need. And we need to get back to the place where we have a gentle dogmatism toward the word of God. Number one, and what do we defend against? Number one, the direction of the fall. You're falling away from truth. Don't deny truth. You're getting deeper and deeper in that current that's going to carry you away. But here's what's interesting. Let's look at number two. How does that happen? How does that happen? How does somebody go from a good church off into the deep end of the current of the spirit of of apostasy? Well, we can see a hint of it in verse three. Paul warns them about something. It's, it's, It's a separate subject, but watch what he's warning them about. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Paul warned them not to be deceived. Okay, he warned them not to be deceived. Now, this is important. One of Satan's greatest attacks and one of his greatest tactics on Christianity, your home, your children, is not to defeat necessarily and it's not to deny the truth. His greatest tactic is to delude it. Okay, if you came up to me today and said, if you don't give me your Bible, I'm going uh, to destroy your family. Well, we're going to fight. We're going to fight, we're going to fight, we're going to fight. So instead of Satan saying that, he comes up and he just takes the word of God and he dilutes it. And it does just as much damage. Now, this is important. You need to get this this morning. It's easier to swallow another version of the truth than not to have any truth at all, correct? It's easier to swallow another version of the truth than it is to swallow the truth. Like my wife this morning, uh, she always puts my cufflinks on for me because it's hard to do by yourself. And so I have a wonderful wife who does that. And then she comes and she flips my collar down for me so that I don't get my tie all bunched up. Well, this morning she comes in to bend my collar down and she's having to fight it a little bit, bending it down. She goes, do I need to get you a bigger collared shirt? Yes, that is the problem. My collars are shrinking. That's what it is. Do you know that's so much easier to swallow than to say my neck's getting fat? (laughs) For real? Can we be honest? You've been there, all right? Now, you twig people who never gain a pound, you don't know what we're talking about. For the rest of us, we know what it's like to put on some extra insulation for the winter. It must be a cold winter this year is all I can say. It was easier for me to swallow that my wife says, you know what, I need to get you a bigger collar shirt. No, I just need to lose some weight in my neck. I don't know how you do that, but I need to do that. It was easy to swallow that truth. Why? It was a deluded truth. That's what the devil wants to do with you and your family, your kids, this church. He wants us to dilute the truth. Why? It's easier to swallow. But you know, a half-truth is an untruth. A half-truth is an untruth. If it's not the whole truth and nothing but the truth, it's an untruth. Now, the second thing we need to defend, not only recognize the direction of the fall, number two, notice the deception in the fall. There's deception there. You ever wonder how many, how so many are going to walk away from what they knew is truth? How are they going to do that? I mean, how is the devil going to do this? Deception. Deception. Deception is when the devil substitutes something in the place of God's truth. Let me ask you a few examples and you think about this to yourself. How can a man after God's own heart commit adultery and then commit murder? How? How can the man who killed Goliath, one of the greatest victories we read about in scripture, 
How can the man that God said himself, I'm seeking a man after my own heart, David, how could he do that? I'll tell you why. He got deceived. He got deceived. Give you another one. How can a man who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, witnessed the miracles of Jesus, how could someone like that sell him out for a bag of silver? He was deceived. I'll give you a better one. How can a perfect man and a perfect woman in a perfect world trade it all for pain, grief, and death? They were deceived. Here's the question I really want to ask you. Why do you think it won't happen to you? Why are you better than a man after God's own heart? Why are you closer to Christ than a man who sat there at a table with him? Why are you more enlightened than a perfect man and a perfect woman in a perfect world? And you think there's no chance you're going to get caught up in this? Satan's going to use deception. Colossians 2.8. Listen to what the Bible says. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. He wouldn't have put it in there if it wasn't possible to be spoiled, right? Here's something interesting. I thought about that word spoil. I highlighted it in my notes. You know, spoiling doesn't happen immediately. The other day, we had a cucumber sitting in the windowsill of our house, waiting for it to get ripe. And she likes cucumbers. I like the, the tomatoes. So I had the tomatoes here, and she had the cucumbers there. And we were waiting for it to get ripe, waiting for it to get ripe. And, and then while she was going to California, I, I kept looking at this thing like, come on, man. Let's get the show on the road. And I picked it up, and the entire backside had caved in and was brown. I'm like, man, just a few days ago, she put that in the window, and it was a whole cucumber she was looking forward to eating. And now it has spoiled. You know that didn't happen overnight? It happened a little at a time. That's how the devil deceives us, a little at a time. What you watch on television, what you watch on Facebook, what you watch on TikTok, you're being deceived you're being deceived. See, what do you mean by that? It means the truth that you know is being subverted by a half-truth. By the way, isn't that what got Eve? Did the devil say everything God said was wrong? No. He just gave her a half-truth. Hey, I know this is what God said, but this is what God meant. And Eve's like, okay, good idea. She accepted that half-truth that was easier to swallow than the whole truth, and it cost her everything. Eve and the entire humanity got swept out to sea, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, the Bible says death passed upon all men. Before Christ, all of us were out there in the deep end, drowning in our sin, all because Eve and Adam were deceived. Now, I wonder what's going to sweep into your home because you don't realize you're being deceived a little at a time. Number one, the direction of the fall is away from truth. Number two, the deception of the fall is a half-truth. First John 4, 1, the Bible says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Now, there's all types of influences in the world, aren't there? There's people influences, technology influences. The greatest influence in the world right now, I believe with all of my heart, is this. Greatest influence in the entire world right there. It's a cell phone. And for some odd reason, we put them in the hands of our children and just let them have free babysitters all day long. And uh, I, I don't understand that, to be totally honest with you. And they are influencing, influencing, influencing our kids. And we wonder why they're turning out the way they're turning out. They're being influenced. They're being deceived. I'll promise you. Look, you're going to have to look far and wide on YouTube to find something that's going to bring your child closer to Christ. But you'll find a whole lot of mess on there that'll drag them in that undertow, that rip current away from God. That's why we as the people of God have to try the spirits. What does that mean? That means we have got to identify those influences. How do we do that? Get ready. This is deep Greek. This is what I went to four years of Bible college for. We identify it with the truth. What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about them? What does the Bible say about what I'm listening to? Music's an influence. I told some kids at camp, I preached that the other day. I said, do you know what Satan was in charge of when he was in heaven? Music. 
And when he was working for God, he used his music for God. By the way, I think if God gives you a gift, you ought to use it for him, amen? That's, that's a good idea. You got one, use it for him. He doesn't work for God anymore. Newsflash. I told you there were no hot topics, I just gave you one. Newsflash, the devil doesn't work for God anymore. And if music was his thing and he used it for God when he worked for God and now he's against God, what do you think he's gonna do with music? He's gonna use it against God. That's an influence. That's why, look, take the word of God and you ought to filter everything you listen to through the word of God. Speak, Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to yourselves and hymn psalms with spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see, the way you keep from being deceived is you measure it by truth. Thy word is truth. That's where deception enters in. First Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to hurry, verse 33. The Bible says, be not con- uh, deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That little perfect child that you have raised, and I know they're perfect because I know your kids. Know them. Man, know them. Never roll a yard. Uh, you know, they're never going to say a mean word. They're never going to egg somebody's house. They're just good kids. But the Bible says they can be corrupted. Evil communications, that's influences, corrupt good manners. What a shame it would be for you to put all that work into your child and then you say, okay, all right, you're 16. Here you go. We'll give you that. Have fun with it. Be careful. And they get corrupted because they've been deceived. They've been deceived. Man, it got quiet there. That's okay. We're going to move on, all right? Deception is whatever Satan substitutes for truth. Deception is whatever Satan substitutes for truth. Can I tell you what the greatest deception in my life has ever been, ever been? The greatest deception in my life that has ever been and still is today is not the deception from people. It's not the deception in media. The greatest deception in my life did not come from without. The greatest deception came from within. It's when I deceived myself. You know why? Because I trust myself. Think about it. You think your ideas are the best. I do too. All right, you always have a better idea. I, I do too, why? Because I, I think my idea, I'm not gonna come up with a bad idea. Don't ask my wife, but I'm not. Listen to what the Bible says, 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I wonder this morning if God has presented truth to you and yet you have abandoned truth for what? What does it say? If we say. Tonight, we're gonna talk about hearsay in the message tonight, so giving you warning not to come. We're going to talk about hearsay. Hearsay is so damaging, so dangerous. But you know what's more damaging than hearsay? We say. If we say we have no sin, the Bible says we deceive ourselves. You're lying to yourselves. You're, you're talking yourself out into this current of the spirit of apostasy that carries you away from God. Be careful in deceiving yourselves. You know what? I just better run my ideas through God's truth. Man, I got this new idea about, you know, how, the, the, how kind of a husband I need to be and what kind of wife she needs to be and what kind of kid she needs to be. I got these really neat ideas on how we can revolutionize the American home, okay? Nothing wrong with a good idea if you have one, but you better run it through this. You better run it through this because you're guinea-pigging your family on your ideas and your opinions and you could be pushing them off the solid ground of God's truth out into the current of apostasy and one day when your child looks at you and wonders why you go to church and still believe that old outdated book and still come to listen to a preacher spit and holler all the time, you're gonna try to figure out what happened to them. Well, somewhere along their life, you allow that spirit of apostasy to enter your home when you chose your, chose your opinion over God's truth. The deception is half truth, half truth. James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Can I tell you what that means? You know what you're doing right now? Very graciously, and I appreciate it. You're being a hearer of the word. Thank you. Thank you for not walking out and getting mad. That always hurts my feelings. No, I'll be honest with you. I just want to do what God wants me to do, and you got to do what you got to do. Amen? Listen close. You're being a hearer of the word. But the Bible says if all you do is hear it, and you don't ever do it, you're deceiving yourself. If you walk out of here feeling good because you heard the word of God preached today, you missed it. No, no, you're supposed to take the word of God and implement it in your home, in your children's life, in your own mind, in your own heart. That word of God gets in there and it changes things. That's what the word of God's there to do. To change your life, your mind, your home, and to change this country. But here's our problem. For too long, we walk out of here on Sunday morning. Ooh, check that box. Did the will of God today? Because I heard the preacher. 
No, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. If you don't ever do anything with what you heard, you're lying to yourself. You're like me. You have a fat spiritual neck and you're blaming it on the shirt. Number two, the deception in the fall. It's half truth. But finally, let's look at the good part. Next week, look, I had to get the hard one out of the way and then the next four weeks, they're gonna be encouraging, okay? So give me another shot next week. You look down, it says, verse three, let no man deceive you. By any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And the man of sin, the Antichrist, be revealed, the son of perdition. Here's the good news. By the grace of God, you and your family can stay right here on the solid ground of the shore. You don't have to get swept off in that riptide of apostasy. You don't have to. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You don't have to. I love that. The devil can't make me do anything anything. He can't. He can't. Why? Because Christ got victory over him and Christ gave victory to me. He gave me the cheat codes on how to beat the devil. But wait a minute. If I don't have to be there, why are people still getting deceived? Well, if you're deceived, it's because you didn't heed the warning at the very first part of verse three. Watch what it says. Let's know. Let no. You see, that's the third thing I want to show you before we close today. The decision to the fall. The decision to the fall. So many disasters, whether it be a wrecked home or a wrecked teenager, a wrecked church, a wrecked country, so many of the disasters that we have and we've experienced, we've been a part of, can I tell you why they happened? Not because the devil was mightier. Not because you didn't have the strength and power available. It was because you, look at verse three, the first word, you let it. If you get deceived, it wasn't because God did not give you truth to fight the deception. If you get deceived, it's all because you let yourself be deceived. You allowed it to happen. Matthew chapter 13, we have a wonderful, wonderful account, parable of the sower who sowed good seed. The Bible says he sowed good seed. That means, hey, he worked, he put good seed in his, in his field. But then the Bible says, listen close, horrifically sad verses. But while men slept, his enemy came while he was asleep. Reminds me of parents who put so much time and effort in raising good children, good seed, and then all of a sudden, for some odd reason, they clock out. By the way, you know 16 and 18 are not in the Bible. When your kid turns 16, they don't get these magical rights from God where they can tell you where to get off at. 18, I know it means something in the world. doesn't mean nothing to God. If they're under your roof, they're your child, your responsibility, your accountability. They're yours. I had a curfew as an engaged man at 24. I told you, I get that little PT Cruiser booking it down Interstate 20 to get home in time because dad said he's going to lock the door. Man, I don't tell you, Jeff Davis County can be creepy. Night, I'm going to sleep out on the porch. He was accountable for me. We sow good seed in our children and then we check out, we clock out when they turn 16, when they turn 18, we clock out and all of a sudden the enemy comes. And sows tares in our wheat. What happened? What happened was something we let happen. Listen, I love our kids. I do. But I was a youth pastor for like 12 years. I lived at a youth camp. I love kids. I love all of our kids. The only reason they think I'm mean is because I tell them the truth. And the truth of the matter is the devil's waiting with a whole bag of tares to sow it into their life and they know it. And I've seen too many of them go down that road. And it breaks my heart. That's why sometimes I even fight with them a little bit about it. Listen to me. The decision is whether or not you're going to let it happen or not. Matthew 24, the Bible says, but know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. If the good man had known, he'd have waited up. I don't know what they had. They didn't have guns back then. Maybe a baseball bat or a sword or a sharp stick, I don't know. If I know you're coming to my house to rob my house, I don't care if I have to break out one of her cast iron frying pans. We're gonna fight 
We're going to fight. I'm not going to let you break into my house. I'm not going to let you do that. Why? Hey, I know the danger's there. And the Bible says that if the good man of the house knew, he would stand up and defend it. And yet, sadly, we do know the truth. I'm telling you this morning, he's coming for your home. He's coming for your children. He's coming for this church. He's already got this country. I'm telling you. And the sad thing is we're going to ignore the truth. No, that preacher, good grief. It's 12:15. Shut up already. And we're going to deny the truth, walk out of here being a hearer of the word, not doing it. We've deceived ourselves, and it's going to cost us everything. And we let it happen. We let it happen. I don't want you to lose your kids. I don't want you to lose your home. I don't want you to lose your marriage. I want you to be preserved, blameless until the coming of the Lord. And when, you, when the Lord comes back, I want you to be looking toward that blessed hope, but it's hard to look toward it when you're out there swept up in that sea of apostasy. The deception, always because of a decision. He says, let no man, let no man. I wonder this morning what you're going to let carry you off the shore. Keyword let. What are you going to let do that? What are you going to let carry you out of church? What is it going to be? What is it going to be? A preacher that preaches too long? I get it. I'm hungry too. Are you going to let somebody hurt your feelings and you get out of church? Are you going to let the fact that things may not be the way you like them to be get you out of church? Look, no matter what you let deceive you away from truth, you're still deceived and it's just as costly. Number one this morning, are you going in a direction toward truth or away from truth? When you're presented with truth, do you push away from it? Remember, every time you push away from truth, you're pushing yourself into the deeper water of the current that's carrying you away from God. I didn't ask you if we liked it. I don't always like the truth either. But don't push away. If you're headed away from truth, you're headed away toward the falling away direction. Number two, Are you being deceived? Is the devil offering you some type of a half-truth in the place of God's truth? So I don't know. You better get in this book. This is the only way you're going to know. And then I wonder this morning, are you letting, are you allowing those half-truths to enter your heart, your home, your children's life, all because you want to keep peace? I'm going to let it go for now. I'm going to let it happen for now. And slowly our children, we're losing sight of them. We're losing sight. They're being carried out all because we let it. We allowed it because we had the truth and we did nothing with it. Now hear me out this morning. If you're here today and you're saved, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, this warning goes for you and I. The next four weeks, I'm going to be really nice and give you encouraging messages on how you cannot be carried away. But this morning, you need to know what you're fighting. You need to defend against this fall that's coming for you and your children. If you're here today and you're saved, I want to encourage you, let the truth of God's word filter your life. Let this be the filter of truth in your life. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ. You heard me mention earlier about knowing for sure if you died, you go to heaven. Can I tell you, I don't have an opinion on the matter worth anything, but I know what the truth is. And the truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way and the truth. If you would just receive that truth this morning, oh, you're talking about solid ground. You're on solid ground. And that, listen, that current that's one day going to sweep folks out to eternal sea of hell can never get its grips on you. If you're here this morning, you don't know for sure if you're saved, I want to encourage you to come down this morning. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around.